Green Divas and Green Dudes come in many shades of green. Here to help you discover and celebrate your personal shade of green are hosts Green Diva Meg and Maxine Margot, veteran radio chicks who share important news about climate change and the plight of human existence, but somehow manage to make most of it fun and sexy using at least 50 shades of green. Welcome to another lively episode of Fifty Shades of Green Divas. I'm Green Diva Mag. I'm Green Diva Max. And you are in for a wonderful episode. Sit back, relax, and uh, check us out. Listen up. <laughs> check us out. Good stuff's <laughs> coming your way. You'll be informed and you'll have some fun. So we always start with what we affectionately term witty banter <laughs> it may or may not be okay and it's somehow always tied into the weather yeah it's either weather or bugs right yeah, bugs we're doing bugs okay things, a lot of things have been bugged lately oh my god is there bugs everywhere i am seeing things like really wow uh, you know max wrote something about this english jumping spider like cricket thing it's i'm telling you there's like monster bugs seriously now. ugly and gross. And it's an invasive species, mm. of course. How about like this, like that plant that looks like a giant uh, Queen Anne's lace, but right. it, it basically can blind you, blind you and give you Burn third you. degree burns. I, I, I See think pictures. I was like, what? I keep saying Mother Nature is totally pissed off and these things are growing and just screw around with us because she's mad that we're not treating her. So like, right. These things should be on the endangered species list, mm-hmm. or as Roseanne Rodana would say. Roseanne Rosanna Dana. <laughs> oh, my God, she was so fun. The endangered feces list. But <laughs> never mind. Oh, my God, we love Gilda Radner. Yeah, she was wonderful. I have to have a little yeah. hat tip to her. Yeah, she she was awesome. Was awesome. So today we're talking about grass and lawns but what we're really talking about is we'd rather see i mean this is our personal quest Mm -hmm. but food not lawns which actually is a book but i'd like the whole concept the movement right well gardens you know gardens are food anything but flowers yeah beautiful native plants sure things that don't require lots of chemicals and water right hello yeah we have too much of that too much too much too much too and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we're going to be talking about weed in this show. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, at, at weeds some, of but, worth. But, that's but what we're weeds of about. worth. But, you know, there's always, I think now, uh, the weeds of worth are not the smoke, smoking kind. But in, in what I had kind of put into this script was like, hmm, weed might come in handy these days of the worldly insanity because, hey, it's nutty out there. But did you ever hear the saying, the grass is always greener on the other side? No. No? I'm just kidding. Uh, just being a wise ass. You, yes, absolutely. That's, that's my Meg. <laughs> <laughs> that's my GD Meg. Uh, it, it is a common phrase used to describe many things, but mostly it's a proverb, which means that people always think that others have it better in life. Uh, and it was used in a song, in an American song called The Grass is Always Greener in the Other Fellow's Yard. 
um, was written by two gentlemen, Raymond B. Egan and Richard A. Uh, Whiting, in 1924. And this is the chorus of the song, because it kind of brings in the intent of the show. Uh, the grass is always greener in the other fellow's yard. The little row we have to hoe, oh boy, that's hard. But if we all could wear green glasses now, it wouldn't be so hard to see how green the grass is in our own backyard. Aww. Aww. I know it's cute and it's a little cheesy, but hey. Cute is good. We like cute. So the grass is greener thing dates back from a poet, Ovid, 43 B.C., 17 or 1880. I don't know what that all means. Yeah, they, they don't know when it was exactly from. So okay, they, so there's like a 100-year range or right, so. Something like that. Uh, but it's from the poem The Art of Love. He wrote, The apples on the other side of the wall are the sweetest. Our neighbor's hen seems a goose. And your pot broken seems better than my whole one. Mm. This... Is from I don't know Mama Lisa's blog yeah in July or whatever right okay. Mama Lisa did this blog and I kind of caught this in that blog so we it was very appropriate because it talked about the whole lineage of the grass is always greener on the other side and you know we want the grass to be green but we want a little less grass and a little more food and gardens that's what I think. Uh, so, yes, we are talking about lawns, and we will be questioning why we really need them. A book that came out quite a few years ago really inspired me to want to quit having so much lawn and just grow more food, herbs, and, of course, uh, I'm obsessed with flowers. So keep li- – yeah, I'm a flower kid. It's flower power, <laughs> flower you know. Flower power, girl. You know, yeah, I'm a kid of the 60s, man. I have flower power posters all over my house. Uh, so keep listening and find out why lawns may not be as green as you think. And while we're at it now, let's do a quick social media shout-out. And we're stepping up our game, kids. you got to find us at The Green Divas, mm-hmm. at Fifty Shades of GDS, the many shades of green or at, TM shades of green yeah, at TM shades at of green. And we're on Instagram and Twitter or at green diva Meg, uh, all of it. And if you say to your Alexa, Hey darling, <laughs> please play the green divas podcast. Guess what? Yeah. You will hear it. Yeah. So we're like, woo. And it's also on Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere, man. So we're like, we're, we're, we're spreading the green. Hi, this is Ed Begley, and you're listening to 50 Shades of Green Divas. So let's first get a bit historical perspective. Let's get hysterical? Hysterical, or we need to get some perspective on on lawns. And Victoria Alzapedi, the founder of Breakthrough Insight Consulting, has a deep and wonderful knowledge of lawns. Uh, She's a public interest attorney who was program director at the Federated Conservationists of Westchester, County, and she's currently a member of the Newcastle Conservation Board. Uh, she recently started a group in Newcastle called Healthy Yards. So the fascination with lawns in the United States really started back in the middle 1800s when Americans were looking at the lawns of the British and the very well-manicured lawns there 
and it became a question of status. And people wanted to have these luxurious lawns and tried to replicate them in the United States. And what they found is that the natural native grasses did not do well and never would look the same way that the, the British lawns looked. So they did everything possible to identify seeds that weren't native to this area from other countries and blended those seeds together and put them in the ground. And what they found is, although they created this very beautiful, tight green lawn, they were not sustainable. They couldn't survive here with our weather conditions and our soil conditions. So what did they have to do? They had to amend the soil and they had to use chemicals and herbicides to allow the grass to thrive. So they were never natural. They were always contrived and um, always needed supplemental synthetic ingredients to help them survive. I often hear from people who are concerned that if they don't use chemicals and herbicides on their lawn, that the lawn won't be beautiful and green and rich. And what I tell them is that that's not true. You really can have a beautiful, healthy-looking lawn and not use chemicals. The way to do that is to follow some simple guidelines. So it's really important to mow high. So when you're mowing your lawn, set your lawnmower to four and a half to five inches. And this way, the grass will stay high. And the more grass blade you have, the more the grass attracts the sun and all the nutrients of the sun that then go into the soil. So that's one really important thing to do. The soil needs to be healthy. There are a lot of microorganisms in there that help keep the grass healthy. So it's important to have some diversity in your lawn. So you want to have things like clover in the lawn. You know, we've learned over the years not to put clover in, but the fact is clover is nitrogen fixing. So it actually acts as a natural fertilizer in our lawn. So keeping it there, it actually looks beautiful. Uh, and an extra benefit is that the honeybees and the native bees love the nectar from the clover flowers. So that's a wonderful benefit. And we spend a lot of time trying to get dandelions out of our lawns. But the fact is, dandelions actually help to aerate the lawns and bring air into the system, which is very healthy and really critically important. So try to leave your dandelions. Remember that once you mow your lawn, you're going to just see green. So no one knows, needs to know that there are diverse types of plants in there. They all will look good. And the final thing to remember is to mow deeply, is to water deeply. It's also important to think about ways to reduce our lawn. You know, many of us have an acre of land, a half acre, a quarter of land, and a lot of that is lawn. And when you think about lawn, you know, some people call it the green desert. It's not really that conducive to anything healthy for our environment. So we hear a lot about pollinators and the health of our bees and making sure that we're supporting the ecosystem to thrive. And one way to do that is to reduce your lawn. So what do we mean when we say reduce lawn? It basically means looking at your lawn and thinking about where can you take a piece of your existing lawn and convert it to something else, something more productive, something more beneficial to the environment. So maybe it's a native plant perennial garden, right? So there are amazing native perennials and grasses that you can put into your garden that are very low maintenance. The beauty of native plants is that they grew up in our region. Um, and anywhere you are in the country, you can look for what are the native plants in my region? Where are the native plant nurseries and garden centers that sell native plants? These are plants that grew up in our own region. So they've learned to kind of have a symbiotic relationship with the insects and the birds. Um, and they're pollinated by the, the insects that are local. And they are very low maintenance. So because they grew up in our area, they don't need a lot of water. They don't need a lot of care. They don't need any fertilizers. So really, you only need to pay attention to them the first year you put them in the ground. Once they are established, they take care of themselves. So these are plants that 
um, provide seeds for the birds, uh, that provide, you know, berries for the birds. There are amazing shrubs, um, dogwoods and elderberry that uh, provide healthy berries for the birds and other wildlife. So how did having a big green carpet in your front of your house become the status thing? Why don't we grow food? Uh, have more native plants and diverse grasses or flowers? I ask you, and I asked recently uh, our resident green dude and garden guy, Mike Novak, you know, the amount of water and chemicals needed to keep a manicured lawn is having an effect on the water supply, soil health, wildlife, and biodiversity. We now know that pesticide use is resulting in increased rates of asthma and cancer. The only things we should be rounding up are horses and sheep. Round them up. What's that? Uh... Yeehaw! Rawhide. Rawhide. Because we always sing. Right. So <laughs> the main chemical component in Roundup is glyphosate which is worse than DDT. Of course, we did a whole show about this, so people Mm -hmm. go back and listen to that. Yeah, it was very, very good to uh, get info on that. So as I mentioned, Mike Novak, um, he calls himself the Green Devo, D-E-V-O. Are we not green? Are we not Devo? You know the band Devo? (laughs) There's a band Devo. That's what he's referring to. Okay, wow. And there's a very small, obscure group that gets that, but Mm -hmm. he's pretty persistent. So he has his own radio show. Uh, the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and he talks a lot about gardening, but even more about the environment. And he's got a few things to say about why we need to give up this notion of having a fancy plush green lawn. <laughs> and one of the things I've talked about for 20 years is lawns. You know, there's there's some kind of imperative there, and, and sociologists would, or anthropologists, I guess, would have us believe that because we were hunter-gatherers uh, on the savanna, we like open spaces. And there's some truth to that. And then there's the idea in America of the open space as a common area where people gather. I get that, too. Uh problem is now we're in the 21st century, and there's other things going on, such as 7 billion people in the world and how do we grow our food. Um, and so some people have begun to think, well, maybe a lawn is not such a good idea after all, uh, especially given the way that we maintain our lawns with species that are not native to this country and that require a lot of inputs to stay healthy and happy. Although I, I would argue that as well, because I'm one of those guys that says, you throw some compost down on your lawn, mow it three inches high, uh, give it a, a good soaking once a week and walk away and you're done. That There's a lot of truth to that as well. But the point is, should we rip out all of our lawns and grow food. Well, I'm standing here on my back porch, and I I have a tiny bit of lawn in my backyard, but it's basically so I can walk uh, around my garden in my bare feet. That's why I have it. Uh, But I'm looking at the clover growing in it and the violets growing in it, and (laughs) you name a weed, it's there. Uh, Awesome. uh, And and I'm perfectly happy with it. It it looks green. It does its job. it, It functions well. 
uh, I don't put anything on it at all. I, I, I should be, I should be putting more compost on it, basically. Uh, but I, I don't even do that very much because I don't care. Where I was trying to, I was trying to grow food uh, here in my yard, and my neighbor, uh, I managed to talk my neighbor into letting me grow some food in her yard because she's got a lot of sun, uh, and I don't because I made the mistake of planting a lot of trees, which I love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but that means you're not going to grow a lot of vegetables. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem was that she was putting weed and feed on her lawn, and uh, I and I said, hey, you know, what are you doing? Um, and she says, well, I'm fertilizing. And I said, can I see the bag, please? And, of course, it says weed and feed. So she's thinking it's only fertilizer. And I know because I, I know how to read a label on a bag like that. It's not just fertilizer. It's 2,4-D or some other herbicide in there as well. I like to call, you know, with the reason they call it weed and feed, that cute little name, is because nobody would buy it if they called it synthetic fertility and poison. It's all about marketing. It's all about branding. I think a lot of folks don't know that when they're fertilizing, they're also putting down these poisons. And they can affect your pets. They can affect your kids. They can affect you. They, they affect the biology in the soil and on it, the, the pollinators, on and on and on to some degree. I mean, they're not targeted for pollinators, but again, there's often collateral damage is what I'm going to say to, to put it very broadly. So how do we, how do we change the paradigm? And one of the things that I've come across recently is, well, not recently, this has been happening for a while is that people will, they will decide they're going to be the ones they're going to be the ones in the neighborhood. They're going to change the paradigm. They're going to plant vegetables, let's say in their front yard, because that's where they have the space. And all it takes is one neighbor to file a complaint and say, I don't like that there. And they don't know why they don't like it. They just don't like it. Right. Uh, and and suddenly you got inspectors out there saying, well, what are you doing here? Uh, is this, uh, you know, the, the ordinance says that you can't have anything above 10 inches high. You know, and the ordinance is written for lawn, um, the tyranny of, of the lawns in, in our society. have some fun facts about green lawns. Uh, there are three different types of grass. There's bulrushes, sedges, and grasses. The most common in the U.S. is poaceae. Yes, we were yelled <laughs> in to our ears by the computer in trying to figure out the pronunciation of P-O-A-C-E-A-E. My ears are still bleeding from that. A-E, grasses, which are most common here in the U.S., and there's also many invasive grasses, including Japanese stilt grass, which can take over your lawn. And they have almost completely taken over my lawn. So trying to get rid of them is tough. So we also have to figure out invasive things. How do we get rid of them, or should we let them be invasive? I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting question. The most popular lawn decorations are pink flamingos. Really? And giving a shout-out to John Waters, <laughs> one of the most insane movies, like, ever made. Uh, 
But shops in the U.S. sell around 250,000 pink flamingos sets each year. On a more serious, not as fun note, out of the 30 commonly used pesticides on lawns, 19 are linked with cancer. Uh, 13 are linked with birth defects, 21 with reproductive effects, 26 with liver or kidney damage, 15 with neurotoxicity, and 11 with disruption of the endocrine or hormonal systems. Okay, wow. So that's 30 lawn pesticides. Wow, wow, wow. Um, Out of the same 30 pesticides, 17 are detected in groundwater. 23 have the ability to leach into drinking water sources. 24 are toxic to fish and other aquatic organisms. Vital to our ecosystem. 11 are toxic to bees and 16 are toxic to birds. And this is from a post that we had done uh, that was by GD Mike Novak. Mm, that's green dude. Mike oh my Novak. God. That is crazy. And then, of course, golf courses are adding to droughts in many states um, as excessive amounts of water are used to keep the golf course green. Sorry, yeah. Wayne. Yeah. Green dude Wayne. Yeah, well, you know, we got to really be thinking about this a lot more than, than we do. It's nice to be on the links, but at what cost? Unless they can recirculate it. There's ways they can probably solve these issues. Perhaps we can do a little searching. Uh, so in the summer, about 238 gallons of water uh, is used per household on lawns. Again, think of the waste of this precious commodity in the U.S. because we use over 7 billion gallons of water each year for outdoor watering. That's 30% of our water supply. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, we posted. That's from a post on the Green Diva site that we did a couple of years ago. It's probably, sadly, more, Mm -hmm. but that was from like 2014 or 15. Wow, and it's got to be absolutely more. Uh, that. Yeah. And then There's there is bottled water. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A lot of people drinking out of bottled water and a lot of these water companies using wells where they shouldn't be using them. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about drought and all of that, please just cut it. Cut it with the bottled water. You can fill up your own bottle. Stop, people. Stop. Stop. In case you didn't know, I started a new podcast series called GD Spirit Pub with my longtime bestie, Julie Bond Genovese, also known as Weenie Greenie Julie. (laughs) She named herself that, by the way. Uh, It's an ongoing open conversation about spirituality, not religion. Uh, We've been exploring almost everything over the last 30 years when it comes to spirituality, um, spiritual seeking. But we're still learning, so I hope you'll check it out. Uh, Meanwhile, Pretty much every week, Julie calls me all excited because she's discovered some new awesome so-called weed in her garden that is edible. And she's she's been experimenting with wild edibles from her yard. And so she's like, now her husband is barely mowing anything because she's like, no, 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 that's the clover. She's been eating the clover and there's plantain. uh, There's... All kinds of crazy, fun things that she keeps discovering. She uses them for her smoothies or salads or sautéing it up even. So every, I'm serious. So she, a couple of days ago, called me, and we were about to do this show. Mm-hmm. So 
She's like, oh my God, I discovered it. I said, oh, I got to hear this. Well, it's good to have diversity on your lawn. Like it's, you know, diversity yeah. in everything is important. So just these grasses, poaceae, but we also clover and, and other plant and other grasses that you can have on your lawn that, and, and it can, you just mix it up and it's, and it looks beautiful. Well, hello. So anyway, let's hear some from Weenie Greenie Julie. So tell us about your magical edible mm, yard. It is so magical. And it started back oof, six, seven years ago. I was at a very groovy conference and they served green smoothies every morning. I was so impressed that I got home, got a blender and started making green smoothies and then realized, ooh, I can grow my kale and collard and learned that I could eat the broccoli leaves. I could eat all kinds of leaves out there. Thought that was heaven, but it got better. Because <laughs> as of two years ago, realized, hmm, these other plants seem to be a whole lot hardier and stronger, quote unquote, weeds. And my husband noticed that I was averse to weeding. <laughs> and um, yeah, he wasn't happy about that. He's like, you're really good at the harvesting, but the maintenance, not so much. And I actually have guilt when I pull plants. I do. So that led me to look at what is this thing that is covering the ground, which turned out to be purslane, which is very edible and wonderful for you. And no matter what you do, it will come up. And it will cover the dirt that otherwise can't be used. It also comes out of the macadam. It, it will reclaim anything, the power of Mother Nature. Then um, always knew about dandelions, of course. Never wanted to eat them, though, because they're so bitter. So I just threw two leaves into my smoothie to see if would it ruin it. And then three and then four. And before I knew it, it was a whole handful. And then discovered plantain, which is like everywhere. It's broad leafed, the big green leaves, you know, look it up on Google and, and it grows everywhere. You can mow it down, cut it down, dig it out and it will still come back. And all of that reminded me of what I'd learned years ago from macrobiotics, which was that as we eat these plants, whatever they are, we are taking in their energy and their qualities, not just their beautiful vitamins and minerals, but, but these weeds are resilient. They've seen every season. They've seen drought. They've seen flood. They've seen it all. And according to Anthony Williams at Hay House Medical Medium, um, they essentially have incredibly strong DNA and they pass on that um, natural immunity, that strength to us. All right, so it's time for our final words of wisdom, commentary, quotes, and poems. Poems. We like poems. GD Max has a poem for you. I do. Because we like to keep this in line with our, our topic. So this is called Grass 
by Joyce Sidman. I grow in places others can't, where wind is high and water scant. I drink the rain, I eat the sun, before the prairie winds I run. I see, I sprout, I grow, I creep, and in the ice and snow I sleep. Nice. Nice. I found this quote that felt timely and appropriate by Michelle Obama. She said, I worked with Congress on legislation, gave speeches to CEOs, military generals, and Hollywood executives. But I also worked to ensure that my efforts would resonate with kids and families. And that meant doing things in a creative and unconventional way. So, yeah, I planted a garden and hula-hooped on the White House lawn with kids. You've been listening to The 50 Shades of Green, a collaborative gig between the Green Divas and the Many Shades of Green radio shows, happily recorded at Green Diva Studio. Be sure to look for this and other Green Diva Network podcasts and The Many Shades of Green on iHeartRadio, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and Stitcher, among other places. You can find more information about this show and much more on thegreendivas.com.